All righty, here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 182. Happy Tuesday, everybody, if you're listening to this on the day it came out. Zen Parenting Radio, it's a discussion between my sweetie, which is... Me. You're a spiritual and emotional mom, and me, yours truly, a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. The best predictor, remember, sweetie, of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Correct. So I, I mentioned resources. We're going to have uh, our friend, Sigrid Scheltzen. Um, she's going to talk at the end of this show about her Facebook page, her website, some other uh, parenting resources specifically to moms. Because she is the joyful mother. She so is the joyful if you, mother. any of you on Facebook have liked a page called the joyful mother, and she's got a lot of followers, I think like 75,000, mm-hmm. um, but that's secret and she'll be at the end of this show. That's right. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, a blog I read uh, from a woman regarding moms and going to the beach and the pool with their kids. We are going to do that too. Oh yeah, that's oh a big gosh. one. <laughs> That's right. Okay, we're supposed to fit in this. Okay, but I'm going to go with the flow. Like a twig on the shoulder of a mighty stream, but first... Because I thought we were already... <laughs> hmm. Da, da, da. Oh my God, I'm watching this video right now on yeah. YouTube. It's freaking awesome. Is it Apollo? We got to put this on the show notes. Why? Because this video is so bad. Well, who's in it? It's no, it's Rocky, like it's, right? no, it's Survivor doing in their oh, walk, yeah. oh, walking I down the street. Oh yeah, I can see it. Rising up. So I'm I'm playing this music because about once a week, Sweetie uh, gets a riled up <laughs> big <laughs> just, time. Just once a week. Um, about some disservice or how do I explain this? Well, to me, it, 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 it's not a surprise <laughs> to hear that we live on the left side of the aisle. Often with most of my belief systems, yes. And you know what? I don't even... It, I know you don't want to separate. Well, but, it's not that I don't want to separate, but just hear me. I I just believe in people's human rights. And I believe that people have the right to live their life in love the way that they want to. That doesn't mean I don't believe in laws. And it doesn't mean that I don't believe that we should have a system that has boundaries. We have to. We can't have chaos and anarchy. We have to have a system. But when other people tell me how I get to live my life without them understanding anything about my life, I struggle with that. And now no one has done that specifically to me. But being a woman in this world. I am woman. Hear me roar. And I think as women, we need to start speaking up more about injustices against other women. For example. So Todd and I were in the um, airport coming home from New York. Thank mm-hmm. you for New York. You're welcome. We would, If we had more time on the show, we would talk about New York because that was awesome. We'll bring that in. Okay. But we were coming home and obviously there's like a million TVs on in the airport. And I noticed that there were a, a, a Supreme Court decision that was going to be decided that day regarding Hobby Lobby. And it was about Hobby Lobby's ability to decide what would be covered under their insurance regarding birth control or the, uh, I think it was the day after pill or just any kind of contraception. Contraception. And I looked at it and I thought, well, there's no way that that's going to pass. Like there's no, like, I, I, I guess I'm always being optimistic. So just to be clear. Well, I can, do you want me to read it so I can explain? Yeah. So 
they wanted companies to be exempt from the, from the contraceptive coverage mandate for their employees' health insurance and be exempt from that provision of the Affordable Care Act. Because in the Affordable Care Act, that needs to be mm-hmm. involved because women need that. Right. But the decision came down that corporations can decide whether based or not, on their religious beliefs whether or not contraception is um admiss- if they have to cover the if they have to pay for the coverage for their employees so i'll just read this the us supreme court has given corporations even more personhood because we've made corporations people yeah, that's correct. why they can give money right. that's why you know yeah i got issues with that one yeah too. okay by deciding that they can have religious beliefs and that the it's called burwell versus hobby lobby they ruled so the supreme court ruled that closely held companies are exempt from the contraceptive coverage mandate for their employees health insurance and they are exempt from that provision of the affordable care act this decision 5 to 4 and the majority opinion written by alito is being described as narrow and this, and the reason it's narrow is because it only applies to women. So listen to this. The decision concerns only the contraceptive mandate and should not be understood to mean that all insurance mandates for blood transfusions and vaccinations will necessarily fail if they have a conflict with the employer's religious beliefs. So this is only, only about contraception. Right. And that has nothing to do with all these men that are making this decision. Right. I know that there are um, there are two women on the Supreme Court right, right. now, but it's five to four. I, and, and I'm not saying that this is so hard for me. I get really upset because I know that everyone will, you know, has different opinions about this. And I'm just speaking for myself. I It has nothing to do with the employer, the choices that I make in my life about having children or not having children or needing contraception for other reasons, because you know what you may not know, Todd, Mm. women also take contraception for things like, um, uh, endometriosis. They take it for things like, you know, heavy periods. They take it for things like, um, headaches, Mm -hmm. um, skin. It, it is a, a tool for women for many reasons, not just to prevent babies, but even if it was only to prevent babies, it should be okay. Right. But it has nothing to do with your employer. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why someone can make that decision for a woman. Do you see how this only applies to women? Yes. But everything else, they can't do that. Right. So how is that fair and how is that equal and why is that okay? Mm-hmm. And these are conversations that Todd and I have all the time where I will spin around in my chair and I will say to him these things and I'll say, how is that okay? And he'll say, I don't know. Yeah. Because there's no answer to it. And lately, over the last few years, it's always been about the gun laws. Yeah. And you ask me, like, how can they decide this? And I try my best to give the, although I disagree with it, the other opinion of this is how they perceive it. This is how they look at it. And you're like, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I can see, I can, as a human being, understand, you know, everything we talk about on the show, what is of another person is of me. I can see how someone is in fear Mm -hmm. and that is why they want their gun or that they have, um, they were raised in a certain way to believe that that was an, uh, what's the word, inalienable? In uh, alienable, inalienable, right, and that they get afraid that if it it's a slippery slope. I hear all that, and and I I empathize. Meaning, I'm not calling those. I don't like people who look at other people, point at them, and say they're stupid. Right. I'm not doing that. Right. I'm getting into the heart centered approach of 
do you understand how that belief system affects the rest of the population? Can you see the bigger picture? And can you not be so afraid so you can understand, I don't want your gun? Right. And can you be? Uh, can you understand that with women, even though you don't understand it, stay out of it. Right. It's got nothing to do with you. And the reason it's so frustrating to me is because we are setting ourselves back. This... 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, these things were non-issues because we worked really hard. And I'm saying we, the generations before me, worked really hard to get these rights where – and the thing is, is people don't have to use contraception too. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. I don't – I'm not looking at people saying you need to do this or you can only have this many kids. Don't use it if you don't want it. But don't tell me I can't. That's unfair. And that it makes me upset. I and I, and I, I, when I read this this morning and maybe it came down the day we came home from uh, New York and I've just been such in a daze this weekend that I didn't see it. Um, but these are, you know, we're, we're going backwards a bit. So we usually, not usually, we have always kind of stayed out of any type of political debate. I mean, we've been doing the show for three and a half years. And, you know, I find myself for the first time here we are. First of all, I, I agree with you. I don't have the passion that you do, but I agree with you. Um, but to try to um, be a catalyst for some change, are you or are we saying don't go to Hobby Lobby? Uh, I, I'm not there. I'm not. I haven't gone through all of that. If you would like to say that, that's fine. I'm Well, the other weird layer to this is, uh, and I know you believe this because you've kind of talked, we've talked about this, but there's an old part of me like, yeah, that sucks for women, but it's hard for me to be passionate about it and engage in what you, and what you have said to me is we, everybody needs to care about this. The men need to care about this because, because I think a lot of men, and this is who I used to be, was, oh, that's too bad, but it doesn't really affect me. And what you have said is it does affect you. It affects your wife. It affects your daughters. It affects your mothers. And to just let the, the females on this planet or in this country fight for this, it's not going to move as quickly. We need everybody who believes in this to speak up. speak up. And it's just, and it's about awareness. Like I have no desire to start a ban hobby lobby campaign. I don't, I don't, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just trying, this is just another one of those experiences. You're just trying to create an awareness. An awareness. Yeah. Like instead of us pretending these things aren't happening, the Supreme Court is deciding that under the Affordable Care Act, which already says I have a right to contraception and that that's my decision because that is a medical issue. And now they're saying, no, you know, employers can, based on their beliefs, decide they're not going to include that. Right. And that scares me. Right. They have every right to have their beliefs, but they don't have a right to tell me that I have to believe that way too. Mm-hmm. Correct? That's right. I mean, I just, I don't understand that. And I guess this is, I... I then we got to wrap it up. Okay. No, you were going to say something and then we got to wrap it no, up. No, I wasn't. I don't... Because you can, I, I've seen you do this and you can go on for a half Okay, I'm not going to. I'm going to stop. Okay. I'm going to stop because I just got this information before we came Right, you're here. all riled up. So I don't have a coherent end like, hey, let's do this, let's do this. I just 
am tired of pretending. You're just getting something off your chest and maybe it'll... I mean, come on, people. Like, you know, and the thing is, is that there's so many answers to this. There's so many things that we're trying to do. We need more women making decisions, not more than men. We need balance. We need women at the table who are saying, hey, guys, the reason this may not be a good choice is this affects women in this way. And here's some things you haven't looked at. But when you have people who, men or women, who don't understand the other side, how can they make a a decision based in reality? Because they're only going off of their belief system and not off of the reality of an experience. You need a woman at the table. And I know there were some, but they, you know, they're a little outnumbered. Right. And um, it upsets me. Yes, it does. Are you going to be all right here? Yes. Okay, good. Our first partner uh, is Dr. Kelly, Tree of Life. She has an interesting July special. Starting on July 9th, she's going to be handing out glow bracelets and necklaces to all her patients. And if a new patient comes in with that bracelet um, or necklace and it's on and still glowing, they'll get the first exam for free. So it's kind of a fun little thing. Dr. Kelly tries to do fun things. Like she did a frozen um, theme a few weeks ago and they were doing slushies and stuff for the kids. Oh, that was so fun. And they were playing uh, the movie Frozen and I was singing it in their place of business and I was really good. Wasn't I, sweetie? Kind of, yes. Yes, very good. (laughs) So um, let's move on and our first bit of business is I want to talk about this blog I read. It's not going to take long, okay? Okay. All right. It's called um, Mom's Put On That Swimsuit. Put it on. And it's from this woman named Jessica Turner, and she's the founder of the Mom Creative. I don't know what that is, but if you, you want to Google her and find out more about it. But she starts it out saying, you got two choices this summer, to put on the swimsuit or to skip it. And I go to the pool all the time, and I see a lot of moms kind of um, – you know, sitting on the sidelines, reading their book, just watching their uh, kids play in the pool. And, you know, obviously there's some good reasons for that. Sometimes moms need a break and the kids can play, then that's a little bit of R&R. But um, this is about body image that this woman is getting at. And she says, uh, you know, moms sometimes don't get in the pool because they're not comfortable with how their body looks Mm -hmm. and because their body does not look the way it did before they had babies. And, you know, it's kind of the definition, you know, once you have a baby, your body changes. And, um, I'm a little nervous in talking about this because I don't want to come off too flippant about it. I know it's kind of a big issue and I know how a woman perceives her body or how people perceive their bodies. I don't want to undermine that. But if you're, if you're a mom and you're hiding your body because you are, embarrassed by it or you don't feel as good about it as you did. I mean, I feel like we need to ask ourselves, is that really sending a good message to specifically our daughters? Because our daughters are going to be our age one day and it might be teaching them like, oh, the only bodies that they see right now is the body in a magazine. Mm. And 99.9% of the girls out there, their bodies are not going to look like the girls in the magazine. Because that's not real. And you are really good about that. Um, you are open about it. And you, you you tell our daughters that I love my body. I love the way it is. I've, you know, you used to live in this tummy. And yeah. that's why it looks a little different than it did when I was in my 20s. And I think... Um, I think that there is something to be gained by this awareness. Well, they like to like push on my stomach yeah. and they'll be like, it's so squishy. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, it is. Mm-hmm. And there are times when, you know, there have been moments that I've said, you know, that I've had a boundary about it. Like, you know what? 
too much pushing or, you know, that hurts or whatever, where I've let them know they can't just, you know, manhand me like that. Um, But for the most part, but see, here's the thing, Todd, there's so many layers to this. That comes from that. You have to really feel that to be able to say that. And sometimes when, and I don't feel it all the time, Mm -hmm. but sometimes when we pretend with our kids they can see right through it. Right. Um, but what we can do is practice finding comfort in our bodies. And one of the ways is putting on a swimsuit mm. and going to the pool. And I, we were at the pool yesterday and I find the swimming pool such an interesting place because all day long we wear clothes to like hide piece place, you know, hide our bodies or, you know, suck this part in or accentuate this part. And then you go to the pool and it's like everyone's in their underwear. It's like a really funny, you know, and, and I love that. Not because I want, need to see everyone in their underwear, but there is a sense of letting it all go. Right. And that there's all sorts of body types there and it's very accepting. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm not saying every woman there is feeling accepted in themselves, but it's a good practice. Yeah. You know, it remind when you told me about this blog, it reminded me of like the moms getting in the picture. Mm-hmm. You know, remember that blog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, how many moms are not in the picture because right. they're taking pictures of their kids. Right. And so all family pictures don't have the moms. Mm-hmm. And this is the same kind of thing in that it's like just a reminder that you know, you may not feel you know, you may it's not like the swimming suit is the best <laughs> look for all of us. Right. But it's a good practice in acceptance and teaching our kids acceptance. Well, and I'll try to find that other that moms get in the picture block because yeah, it's really good. good. But mm-hmm. to to try to take not put this all on the moms, I feel like um to mom's uh, body image is to dad's uh, ability to be vulnerable. So mm. I'm not just challenging the moms here by, hey, be proud of your body, uh, whatever it looks like, so you can show your kids that it's okay not to look like a woman in a magazine. Right. Because um, we don't. Yeah. I challenge the men, like whatever their Achilles heel is. And for many men, it is the ability to be vulnerable or the or the willingness to show um, weakness, mm-hmm. perceived weakness or sadness. So I challenge the men to do whatever their thing is, um, whether it's be vulnerability or, or whatever. Um, I just don't want this to be one sided. Like, how come you're calling just the moms out? Well, right. let's call the dads out too, whatever right. that is. Well, and I think some dads have, I think that, you know, it's never been a huge issue in your life, but there are many boys and men who have issues with their bodies. Not, not nearly as many. I know, but they're, just because you haven't experienced it, I have worked with boys. Right. I have talked to men who are so uncomfortable in their body, and they don't like going to the, the pool either because right. of showing their, right. you know. Yeah, so if you're a, if you're a guy who, and you're embarrassed of your body, go to the pool and show your sons, hey, man, it's okay to have a big old beer belly. Yeah. The reason I, I don't think it's as as prevalent is because I see dudes with beer bellies and their bathing suits totally. all the time. And I totally hear you. It is not as much. I mean, it's definitely more weighted toward women and issues with um, them feeling like they need to look. So good. this is closing out her blog. She says, I refuse to miss my children's high pitched pool induced giggles because of my insecurities. I refuse to let other women's judging eyes at the pool prevent me from exposing my kids eyes to the wonder of the sun glittering on the water. I refuse to let my self image influence my children's. I refuse to sacrifice memories with my children because of a soft tummy. Yeah. It's and, really we good. Do, and you know, when you have babies, people, and I, I know I have a few girlfriends who do have like, you know, hard bodies again after having babies. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, 
they you're softer mm-hmm. and and metaphorically you're supposed to be and literally um you know like my body you know i do yoga i work out i move my body all the time but my body's just soft right and i mean that in a loving way like that's just who I think I've always been that way. Meaning that there are some people. Everybody's different. Everybody's different, and so you everybody's just, different. Everybody and everybody. There you go. Um, I forgot to mention uh, Dr. Kelly's uh, contact info. That's uh, Cairotree dot com, and her number is six three zero nine four one eighty seven thirty three. And then our next partner is uh, Dr. John Kelly. And it's not your father's dentist, sweetie. Yeah. Um, he does uh, all these different types of um, comprehensive dentistry. And the one I want to talk about really quickly is he uh, makes these performance mouth guards. So if you have a son or a daughter who does any type of sports, there's these specialized mouth guards that they science has figured out that with certain mouth guards, um, you can actually be stronger, run faster, more endurance and everything. And the reason it is, is because when you're uh, in on a sports field, you clench your jaw all the time. And what that does, it restricts your airway. And these mouth guards are specially designed to not restrict your airway. And they've scientifically proven that with these mouth guards, um, you can jump higher. Your I mean, performance you, is better. And he did a, a quick thing with me in his office one time. I and remember. I think it was just jumping or yeah. pulling on something and with or without the mouth guard and it works. So well, and also in Dr. Kelly's office, cause Todd and I, and the girls, we go there, he's got pictures with Drew Brees. Drew Brees. He's got these other famous, athletes. a lot of athletes that connected. Have, yeah, that have gotten mouth guards from him. So yeah. it's obviously it's a pretty thing. awesome. Um, so it's Chicago dentist online, seven, seven, three, six, three, one, 6844. Um, all right now, sweetie, do you want to talk about your empath thing? Yeah, I do. So last week, um, we, I got this blog and it reminded me of a word that I used to use for myself that I don't use, I don't use as much anymore, but it's still just as true. And, um, it's called being an empath. Um, and I sent the blog to Todd, even though I'd sent him a bunch of empath blogs in the past, mm-hmm. just so he has an understanding of what an empath is. And I think we've done a show about it too. Did we? I think we did. Um, and we probably did, but it just kind of, you know, stimulated my thinking again, because, there's some things, oh, first of all, what is an empath? Obviously, it comes from the word empathy. And it's somebody who can feel other people's emotions and can kind of sense things when they're with people. Um, for example, if someone is acting in a certain way, their words are a certain way, but an em- empath can feel what they're really experiencing. And the interesting thing about it is if you are born with this, which many of us are, and, and let me say this too, everybody has this ability. Right. But some people have it stronger. It's like, why is it the piano easy for one person mm-hmm. and another person has to practice a lot? When you have this, you just assume everybody does because it's not something you normally talk about. Right. And But not everybody has it in the same level. And when you are empathic, when you are an empath, it can be the hugest gift in the world and it can be one of the biggest challenges of your life, Right. which it has been both for me. Um Basically, I, when I'm with people, I can feel them and not necessarily know. I'm not psychic. I don't know what they're thinking or anything like that. I just can feel what they're feeling. And until I learned how to not take that on, I struggled a lot. And I still believe, for those of you who listen to the show, you know that I occasionally get headaches. I still believe that that's what Part that's from. Okay. Um, because it's like kind of a taking in all month and then a releasing. And it could be other things too. I don't know for a fact. It's just one of my thoughts. And 
the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I sometimes believe that people, you know, the word sensitive mm-hmm. has gotten a negative rap um, when someone says, gosh, you're so sensitive. There's a sense of that that's somehow a bad thing. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's actually a wonderful thing. And I have had to speak up with Todd about things that bother me. And he doesn't understand it. For example? Um, The one that I was talking about this morning was sometimes Todd is a salesman and so he's on the phone a lot. And when we are in the car, he will often, you know, we have a Bluetooth, he will take a work call and put it in on the Bluetooth so everyone in the car can hear it and do his work while we're all listening. And And that just is normal to him. What he doesn't understand is while he's having that call, I am in I am in that call and I can feel what both of them are feeling. I feel the discomfort. I I can feel it right now. It makes me want it. And it's so hard on my system. And in the past, he's gotten off the call and I'll be like, will you not do that? And I try and say it in a kind way. I think I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, can you not take that call that way? Because then I'm in it. And he. So what you want me to do is is actually just so it's not audible. You just don't want I to be able to hear, hear it. it. If I hear it, then I'm in it. Right. I can feel the experience that's occurring. And here's the trick. Um, and this can be, this example can be throughout many different uh, parts of a relationship, but that doesn't happen to me. Right. So, like, I could be on a phone call in the car, and you could completely distance yourself from it. I'm out of it. You don't even feel. I don't. Right. I'm not expected to talk. I'm not expected to listen. I could care less. I mean, sometimes it's annoying if I'm trying to read a book, but if I'm not, I could care less. But just because it doesn't bother me doesn't mean that I should not listen when you say that it bothers you. And right. what you said this morning was there's two parts to this. One is the empath needs to. Sp- say it out loud. Not only do they need to say it, they need to accept that this is an okay thing and that it's actually a lovely gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all levels of learning. This is, we, we don't have enough time to get right. deep into this, but they need to speak up because what, but a lot of what empaths have been told in their childhood is that they're too sensitive and oversensitive. Right. So we try and pretend things don't bother us when they do, right. or we try and pretend we don't feel things when we do. And if we pretend we don't feel things, then we can't acknowledge the feelings that we have or a headache that we get or a why we're feeling low. And we have to be able to be honest about I'm taking in a lot of other people's crap right Right. now. So the first thing is, like you said, we have to speak up and say, this is hard on my system. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. because I don't have the answers to why. It's just who I am. This is hard on my system. And number two, like you were going to say. Number two is when, once you mention it, I need to remove my own um, how it would affect me if I were in that position and just believe you yeah, and, and listen to you. Right. Even though it makes no sense to me. Right. Even though you've never experienced it I've never it experienced that. And that's personally. not an easy thing to do. Right. But in order to have a quality relationship with your significant other, you have to do those types of things. And not only could this be the case with your wife or husband, because it's not just women who right. are empaths. There's definitely men who have these, this, you know, this intense experience, but your children. I think that all children come in very, there's a very thin veil there where they feel people's, the energy is so heightened and mm-hmm. they feel people's emotions. And so a lot of kids will say something's too loud mm-hmm. or a lot of kids will say, you know, I don't want to talk about that. And we'll be like, oh, that doesn't bother you. We're going to talk about it anyway. Or a movie will be on that they can't handle. And we'll say, don't be afraid. And they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. Yet we're forcing it on their system because we think it wouldn't bother us. It's got nothing to do with you. 
it's them. Well, and going back to the relationship, significant other, you don't do this anymore, but you used to. Um, if you had a bad day and I'd say, oh, what's wrong? And you would say nothing just because you weren't ready to talk about it. Um, eventually you came to the point where you're like, you just need to keep asking me. If you know something's bothering me and I'm saying, I'm saying nothing, you just need to keep asking me. Now, you don't do this anymore, but you did. And when that happened, that made no sense to me. If something's bothering you, just say, yes, something's bothering me. Because as a guy, it's very hard to ask over and over and over again because it is so foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. Like just because if you were to, if something was bothering me and you asked me, I'd say, yeah, I'm bothered because of you did this or because this happened at work. The idea of having to ask over and over again is so counterintuitive to my brain. And at the time, it was very, very hard for me to do that. But I knew that if I wanted to have a quality relationship with you, I needed to step outside of my logical brain and just keep asking you until you were ready to talk about right. it. And not asking me in a, um, you know, follow me around and, and you know, it, it was just a... In, what I was trying to say with keep asking me is I'm not ready to say it yet. I can't say it. I don't have the words yet. Mm-hmm. And now I can say it that way. Mm-hmm. But as women, girls, we are raised to kind of lessen our sensitivities, to toughen up, to if we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we disagree with someone, we're called not right. Um, and this this happens to boys too, but I just feel like girls have this a little more intensely. And so then we get into a relationship and we we are told, you know, one of my girlfriends who's uh, single and dating, she always says, every time I meet a guy, he'll say, I want this relationship to be drama free. He's like, I want no drama. Mm-hmm. And what they're trying to say is don't don't share emotion with me. And if I don't want to do something with you, don't express how you feel about it. And if I happen to not call, don't get all upset. You're saying be a robot, right? And don't have any emo- don't have any uh, belief systems, right. don't have any emotional expression. That's ridiculous. Right. And as women, we've been kind of taught that, so we have to break out of that shell as we get older. And something you and I are trying to do with younger girls is keep that from even happening. Mm-hmm. Like keep speaking up, keep saying what you believe, because we've got to change that trend. But we have to at least say it. So my expression to you was. I can't say it yet, so keep asking me. And then once you kept asking me, I would build up the ability to say it. And now you instead don't do of anymore. well, now I come to you. Yeah. You don't even have to chase me. I'm yeah. like, here's what's annoying me. Right. <laughs> you right. know, or here's why I'm sad. It it may not have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um but anyway, so Todd's right. That's another, you know, example of how we have to um listen to each other. And just because we don't experience it doesn't mean it's not right. And I think that for those of you who identify with being an empath, I just want to say that it's uh, being sensitive is a wonderful thing and you it's a way of connecting with people it's a way of being intimate with people and it's a way of loving people and i think it's for as many challenges as it's given me in the past now that i accept certain things about myself and i'm able to speak it and know my limits right you know like I can only go out for so long and be with people for so long because I can't take too much of other people's stuff. But now I accept that rather than think that's a flaw. Right. And like this weekend, I wanted to go do some stuff and you're like, you know what? It's going to create chaos and I know it's going to be bad. And, you know, I met you halfway in the middle and it worked out well. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, you'd be like, all right, let's go. And you'd be spent. That's right. You'd have nothing left. I I could have gotten sick if we would have done the things you wanted to do this weekend. Right. And because Todd can go from boom, 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 
boom, boom. Let's go here. Let's drive here. Let's do this. And I can't, I literally physically, I mean, can I do it? Sure. But can I do it in a place of happiness and like enjoyment? Mm, No, I would be doing it all for you. And so these are things we have to speak. And it's hard because if you haven't spoken up in your relationship before, then the other person thinks you're being difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's not about being difficult. It's about saying what feels right to you because you have every right to share your opinion and you have every right. A couplehood is about two people and it's not even always about, you know, the word compromise often sounds like someone needs to lose. It's about coming together and saying, this will work this day and yours will work this day. Not what's good for me or what's good for you is what's What's good good for for our relationship. And what's, it's not about who wins. Mm -hmm. Because we actually did do a lot this weekend, but right. not to the extent that Todd wanted to, and probably not to the amount of downtime I would have wanted. Right. We have to find that middle place. So, But I just wanted to say that to people, because I feel like that kept coming to me this weekend. So it obviously, I don't know who's listening, who needed to hear that, but that was for you. There you go. Okay. Our last partner is uh, Avid Company, painting and remodeling all over the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. That's avidco.net. Um, so we have a listener and her name is Nicole and she got on our website and we have this, uh, um, voice message option on our website and she had a question and she wanted to know if we could help her with the question. So, um, I'm playing this for everybody so they can hear a question and then Kathy, you haven't even heard this, so I'll be interested to hear how you do. Okay. Um, but, um, I encourage other listeners to get on our website, zenparentingradio.com, and leave us a voicemail message with a question, and maybe we'll answer it on the, on the air. So here we go. Hi, my name's Nicole from Parksville, BC, Canada. The other day, I was at a party with my son and daughter. Not five minutes in, my daughter came crying to me, saying the two girls that she went to play with said she couldn't because she was bossy and mean. Obviously, she was not bossy and mean that day because we were there for five minutes. My daughter was very, very upset on the way these girls treated her. In my opinion, it was just two against one. She was the odd one out, and the girls ganged up on her. My daughter can be bossy. She is determined, knows what she wants, and expects to have what she wants, which I'm all for. But how do you parent that without them being bossy? Thank you. So, Thanks, Nicole. So it sounds like she's uh, admitting the fact that her daughter is assertive. Mm-hmm. That's a better word mm-hmm. than bossy, and she doesn't want to take that out of her, right, out of her existence. But at the same time, you need to know that you are you're not in this alone. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't well, know. Well, and that's a you know the big picture of a child who has kind of a strong will um, or is spirited or is assertive is that letting them know there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to go to Frozen, all right? You ready? Elsa. Let it go. Okay. Let it go. So Elsa, she finally accepts her gifts. She is a... Um, she has these this she has ice that comes out of her hands. She has this ability to do something that someone has told her to hide her whole life. She f- goes off in you know onto North Mountain and she I think it's called Let It Go Mountain. Let, Todd calls it Let It Go Mountain. Um and she you know she exposes her gifts and says, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to accept this and this is great." 
But then what Elsa needs to do, that's in the middle of the movie. Mm. What Elsa needs to do for the rest of the movie or what she figures out at the end is how to incorporate her gifts into society. Right. Just because you have a gift doesn't mean that you that you, you bulldoze, you your, bulldoze way through your way through it. it. Right. You have to learn how to – because two parts of life is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. This is part of our BU curriculum. Self-awareness, understanding yourself – self-acceptance, self-compassion. The other part is belonging, being part of a society and being compassionate toward others. So we have to teach our children that balance. So I guess what I'm saying is you don't have to ever say to your child, you're too bossy or stop being that way or let other people walk all over you. But you do need to let them know that it's okay to give an opinion you know, this is what we're going to play, but then you need to practice listening. Mm -hmm. What do the other kids want to play? And it may not be easy. You may want to override them, but you got to make a decision. And especially with little kids, you can kind of role play and, you know, like practice with them. Like when they go play with kids, say, how'd that go? Did you still state your opinion, but listen to others? You know, you can kind of let them know that there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a voice, but you also have to learn how to be with people and bossiness or being strong isn't, um, doesn't give you permission to walk all over people. Right. That's, that's never been, those do not go together. Right. So you, what we're teaching our, our children is everything about you is just fine. It's great. You, these are your gifts. But when you're with other people, how can you see their gifts? Mm-hmm. How can you listen to them? Right. So what you're giving them is a sense of balance. Right. And in that situation, I don't know if Nicole really wanted to talk about that specific situation or if that was a setup for this conversation. But there are, instead of deciding in that situation that that somehow needs to be resolved or that girls are mean or that her daughter is going to for now from you know for now and forever have a problem with being called bossy that was just a one time mm-hmm. situation right. what it what it brought about was a good conversation yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to mean anything right. those two girls could have had a play date planned for two weeks and they were excited to just be with each, with each other and they didn't really want anybody else there. Right. And we, we can point at that and call that mean. Well, we could make a story out of something that yeah, isn't quite there. That we don't know what the story is. Right. And so instead of deciding it's something we need to, that it's a challenge in our life, it was a one-time thing, mm-hmm. but let's learn from it. Right. Meaning the conversation is, you know, you know, honey, the, sometimes they call you the word bossy. And if that word feels okay to you, great. But if it doesn't, it's just about being a vocal little girl. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Don't, don't stomp that don't out. Don't stomp that out. No. All right. So we're going to end this show with our um, interview with Seagreed. But first, I want to um, quickly uh, talk about, we have a, doc, a documentary that we're bringing to Field School, which is here in Elmhurst, Illinois. And on our website, you're going to see information on it on zenparentingradio.com, or maybe it'll be on Kathy C. Adams. Uh, either, because we have events on both pages. It'll be in the show notes. Um, but September 11th, uh, we invite our listeners to come to this documentary that is being sponsored by BU Incorporated and Field Parent Teacher Association. So the Field PTA and BU. Um, so we have that. So if you want more information, go to our show notes on zenparentingradio.com slash 182. And then uh, last but not least, um, we have a few iTunes reviews. So I just wanted to quickly say thank you to Holly Luna and Kriggy and GBBGG. And finally, don't forget about Tough Mama. They all gave us awesome reviews on iTunes. So thank you to all of you. And if you would find it in your heart to give us an iTunes review, that will help uh, capture some more people to listen to our show. And then the only thing I want to promote is my men's group. So if you want more information on that, send me an email at sendparentingradio.com. 
Do you have anything? No. So here's our interview with Sigrid. We hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. Talk to you later. Um, so we're going to bring in Sigrid Sheldson, who is our Facebook friend, and now we invited her to join us because we feel like she has some things that we find valuable. So Sigrid has a, a website called The Joyful Mother, and... Uh, the purpose of the Joyful Mother rests on one thing and one thing only, to liberate modern mothers from the chains of self-imposed limitations. Mm-hmm. How's that sound to you, I sweetie? love it. I love the word liberate. To show mothers that parenting and life, for that matter, does not have to be one of struggle, hardship, fear, and stress, but can be led far more successfully by love, confidence, and insight. So, uh, Sigrid, welcome to Zen Parenting Radio. Say Hello. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Um, it's wonderful to have you. So you're in Dubai. We're in Elmhurst, Illinois, <laughs> and you f- we feel like you're right around the corner. So God bless Crazy. technology. I tell you. Um, so tell, tell us about yourself and what the Joyful Mother is all about. So, yeah, no, I'm just really passionate about, I mean, I see that we are all living this sort of like self-imposed, um, difficult life. And so I see that there's something beyond that underneath that. Uh, I live from it and I teach my, you know, my students, uh, the people, the women that I work with, how to get there, how to touch it. Um, I've been doing this for, I haven't been doing families for 10 years, but I've been a coach for 10 years. Um, got into coaching moms about five years ago. And it's, you know, it's one of those things you can't, I, I thought, I, I, you know, you can't, it draws you in. It's like, I can't, I can't do anything else. So this is, this is it. This is my life and I love it. It is. And, you know, I love, I love the language you're using around, like you just said, you know, helping people awaken. Um, and when you say that, do you, is there like a, a specific hope that you have for mothers? And I'm sure you work with probably, you know, parents, you know, fathers occasionally too, but what is your hope for mothers? Like what does awakening look like to you? Well, uh, it's all about realizing that we are in this sort of trance-like state. And I know that if anybody's listening to this, they're probably thinking, and they don't understand about the ego mind, that may sound a little weird, right? Right, right. But we live in a society in a day and age where, where we believe that the intellect and the physical world and the pushing and pulling on that is what is going to create solutions and relief and happiness, right? Right. But, but there's a whole nother level underneath. It's like, you know, it's like that tip of the iceberg. You just see the tip of it. And underneath is this monster of an iceberg. You know, it's yeah. like I take people underneath the water to see that this is really right here. You know, this is underneath the ego is this amazing, beautiful, dynamic, powerful, um, miraculous place that if we get to that place, if we're, and it's it's okay, it's not. I mean, transcending the ego is not like a day right. on yacht. It's it it does take work. It takes massive effort. It's it's a study. I mean, that's what I do. I I, I take women along a study of this. Yeah. But when you get down there, even just a little bit of willingness, a course in miracles says, just a sliver of willingness is all you need. Just a crack. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you, you were just saying that the word that keeps coming to me or that Todd and I use on the show all the time. And first of all, just so you know, I think that the people who listen to the show will love, you know, what you're saying around the ego because we talk about it a lot, sure. but is this is a practice and it's a lot of, if you are committed to the practice, meaning if you know its value and importance and you realize that that's really where you want to live your life from, uh, you know, there are times when you get pulled away from that and then you forget or something, you know, there's a crisis or whatever it may be, but to recognize that the, you know, the work of our lives is to practice being in that, like you said, I like your um, metaphor of being under the water, seeing the iceberg that we really um, have access to. So, uh, Sigrid, you work with uh, moms. Is it virtual? Is it per- is it face to face? What do you do? It's virtual. It's, it's all, all virtual. virtual. Gotcha. So, and we'll put all your information on the show notes of this uh, of this podcast. But um, so you work with moms, and I think I know the answer to this question. But I'm going to ask you anyways. Where's the love for the dads? <laughs> um. Okay. I love the dads. Oh my god. I have a very open and. Um, sensitive and tapped in husband, you know, but what I feel, first of all, it's, you know, it's what resonates with me. Like there's this, I don't know, sort of tribal like feeling with mothers. And I think there's so much negativity around the motherhood experience between mothers that I've, I've cultivated this and I wasn't intentional, but like I've focused my work on love and that really people love that mm-hmm. um, on the Facebook page and on my groups and all that, because we're a sisterhood. We, we need to build each other up, not tear each other down. And, and in terms of consciousness, you know, um, there's something about women being a little more on a general level, more susceptible to opening up to these higher levels of consciousness. But the beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't matter who opens the door and steps through the door. They're going to reach back and pull, you know, their partners in if, if possible. That's what happened to us. That is. And I'm, I just pointed at Todd when you said that, because I agree, Sigrid, I, um, I also find that my passion, even though I definitely work with dads occasionally and Todd and I work with parents, um, I feel very drawn to working with women. And I also feel very drawn to working with young girls and that I kind of have the same feeling you do is that's where my love and my passion is. But what Todd and I have found is it, 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 once one person starts and it could be the child or the, you know, the mother, the whole family seems to come into the, you know, come into the picture and start to understand that language. Well, and, those- and it's the, um, it's the work. And you were the one who stepped outside of your comfort zone and started Kathy. I'm talking to Kathy. Yeah. She, yeah, um, yeah. she worked with, um, a, a, a coach and an energy worker. And you never yeah. asked me to do it. Like you presented it as an option, but yeah. you know, you, I think a lot of women will say, I'm doing this. I need you to do it too. And that, that doesn't mean that that you shouldn't ever ask your husband to do anything. But if you would have asked me saying, I need you to do this because I'm doing it too, I would have walked into it with a negative connotation. Well, you would have been energy. doing it for me rather than you. Exactly. Yeah. And it took years for me to kind of finally arrive at a place where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to kind of look inward instead of only outward. And um, and I would I would just caution some of the women that might be listening is is the term nag, and I've said this on our show, I'm not a big fan of, yeah, it's where women are always trying to change their husbands and to do it yourself. And hopefully if your husband has some capacity, he'll walk through through it with you, but on his own terms. Because if he does it for you, it's going to end up 
not nearly as powerful well, as it once. It may not. Yeah, it, may it depends. Not, right? I think it's different for everybody. I want to throw yeah. a quote um, at either one of you, but we'll start with you, Secret. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. What is it? Oh my god! What does that mean to you? So, uh, the idea that see, we live in a pain-averting society. We we avert pain at all costs. I mean, look at our life. Yeah, you know, yeah, on every level. From governmental to down to the very core of our beings, we sedate ourselves. We're afraid of pain. So, you know, the idea that pain can be something transformative, can be something that once we feel it, like one of the things that I teach the parent, the mothers that I work with is to actually feel your emotions. Yeah. To feel your emotions and let them go. Yeah. It's the only way, it's in one of the ways, but the most powerful way that, that we experience getting to that place of flow. And so suffering is optional from that place because you feel the pain, but you release it. And all of a sudden you're like free of it. It really, the thing is that we've got this thing in our mind that the pain is so excruciating. It's going to destroy us. Yeah. We won't make it back somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But I've had women where I do this this meditative technique, and they're in te- they're just sobbing. They cannot like function, and then afterwards they're completely released. Yes, yes. It happened to me when my father died. I remember going through a horrible like a year later, and just going through this whole thing with my mom, and and there was a moment where I like the sobs that came out of my 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 mouth. I it wasn't even me. I I mean it was like the most amazing thing. But afterwards, it was like afterwards I was like in a whole another place. Yes, and that and that's the beauty of grief. And you know, one thing I try and teach my daughters, but um, you know, women when I'm working with them as well, is that close connection between the deep cry and then the laughter that follows it often, it's that you go to that deep place. And as you start to come through it, there's almost elation. And like you said, we so don't trust going into that pain, even doing this work and working with people. I still, when I know I need to cry, I fight it for a little bit. I think it's almost like a natural, I'm like, okay, wait a second, wait a second. And then when it's able to come, and sometimes it comes in it's, it's instigated by other things, you know, where I just have to let go. It's like the greatest relief. And it's so interesting to me that I still have those moments of, like you said, not wanting to feel it um, when I know that on the other side, I'll be lighter for it. But it's this, it's a, you know, it, it, like I was saying at the beginning, it's a practice. Well, and what I would say to you, Kathy, is uh, because for the people who listen to the show, they know that Kathy's a crier and it's something that I am working towards. But when you cry, it (laughs) creates space for something else to come in. Absolutely. And it's cleansing. Like it's literally water. You know, if you think about it as a metaphor, it's water that's cleansing your soul. Yeah. And to let it get stuck is toxic. Yeah. So I'm working on it. (laughs) That's right. And, you know, we so need, um, uh, you know, one thing that Todd and I have been so excited about over the last five years is the amount of research now that is, you know, making these things that have always felt right be now science, you know, just kind of like the book you said you're reading about the electromagnet, 
what, what's the word I'm looking electromagnetic for? Electromagnetic field? Yes, the electromagnetic field of the heart and how we know that's so much bigger and wider than the brain and right. how, you know, that's how we feel people and that there's more than just these things that people would say, oh, that's woo. It's not woo. It's science. This is something we know now. So I'm so appreciative of you doing research and getting that information out there because that's a part I don't like, Secret. I don't like re- I don't like doing the research. Yeah, you just oh. like seeing I the like results. I like reading the research. Right. So thank you yeah, for doing no, that. No, it's true. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all, and I integrate other research, you know, energy research and love research and all that into the book, you know, as well. Um, but you know, this idea that, you know, when you talk about the human energy field and being larger than the energy field of the brain, Valerie Hunt talks about, she's done research saying that all illness is not a result of an imbalance in the biochemical field, our body, it is first an imbalance in the biomagnetic yeah. or the aura or that energy field around us. Yeah. That's yeah. where illness originates. That's where imbalance originates. That's where everything that is imbalanced with us originates. And yeah. that's just wild, yeah. you know. And we can do something. The work that you're doing and I'm doing is healing that energy field because our thoughts are energy and it's the direct link to that energy field. So it's just crazy cool. It is. And it's really the, I feel like this work is just a paradigm shift of what it means to heal. And it doesn't mean that we throw out the other things. It doesn't mean that we disregard all the different kind of sources of healing. It just means we start to look at it from a different perspective so we can bring in a, a full body, full whole human being wellness program. Yeah, and, and, and even beyond our own health and wellness, it's like the paradigm shift extends to the healing of the earth. Exactly. exactly. As we evolve, right? Right. It spreads out. I was going to tell you guys about this. I know you've heard of Dr. Masaro Emoto, the guy that did the... Oh, yeah, the water. Well, have you heard about his his reason? Or he actually, he got a group of 350 supporters to carry out uh, this demonstration. So they, they stood around this the shores of Lake Biwa. Yeah. Like, have you heard about this? I haven't heard this part. I know his water studies, but this is sounding new to me. So Lake Biwa was polluted and dead. And shortly after these people intensely focused on a clean, pure, and pristine lake, their intent was manifested. Oh, my goodness. So he said he called this effect Haddo. He said, and describes it as the intrinsic vibrational pattern at the atomic level of all matter. The theory of Haddo postulates that since all phenomena are resonating energy, by changing the vibration, we change the substance. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. I get goosebumps. I know. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Well, we'll have to look that up because that's very interesting to me. Um, All right. So, Sigrid, before we sign off, is there anything else that uh, you want to that you want to talk about that you didn't get a chance to, or you can talk about your uh, website so our listeners can reach out to you if they need to. You you know, we'll turn it to you and just let us know what you want to talk about. Well, yeah. I mean, two things. First of all, um, I decided that, um, I decided that I really, really more than anything else really wanted to make these ideas available to as many women as possible. So I had, before this work, I had created something called the Mommy Meltdown Cure, which is really the beginning 
of my own, you know, it was like the beginning of this process for me. And it could be, it is a great start for people to really understand these concepts from a parenting point of view. And I'm giving it away. Nice. People like free stuff. Yeah. And I mean, should there's space to give a donation if you want to, and all that stuff goes to my work and, you know, my book and all that, but that's not necessary. But I really want for people to get this. It's an eight week, you know, uh, video lesson and, and action plans and the whole nine yards. So go to the mommy meltdown cure, or it's, it's actually www.mommymeltdowncure.com and just get that thing, man. Yeah, that's great. We'll put that in our show notes too. That way, if whoever's listening is driving, you can go to zenparentingradio.com and I don't know what the, what the URL is going to be, but you can find it by just putting a search into for Seagrid and you can find her. Well, and I will give a big plug because Seagrid's got quite the following on Facebook. So you, it actually is, your Facebook page is called The Joyful Mother, correct, Seagrid? Yeah. Okay, yes, so it it's got, it, she's got great stuff up there, great quotes, information. There's a lot of people following her um, message and her teachings. So um, if you're on Facebook, go to The Joyful Mother as well. That's right. All right, Seagrid. Well, you're awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, it sure seems like we are in alignment as far as our message. So we love to talk to people that have similar messages to us. So thanks very much. Thank you. You guys are awesome, too. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care.